We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by zonecoverage.com and the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Thursday, what is it? February 13th, Charlie Johnson in studio. It's the All-Star break. Um, How about Tim, that? I know. It's man, this year has been rolling. <laughs> this last week, I'm like, I'm on fumes. But uh a little, little bit of a pause here. We've got a, like a tiny little sample of what the quote unquote new Timberwolves look like, but not even really what the new Timberwolves yeah. look like because there's been one cat and Elo game. They don't even know each other really, but it's still been a pretty clear change. You know, the the, the style of play, obviously the personnel. Um, so I think it's good for us to take in initial reactions of the of the new roster today. And I think for me, as I'm just sitting here, you know, taking taking notes on it before or thinking about how to think about it, thinking about how to think about it, yeah, um, yeah. the defense is, is obviously going to be a big question here. In the two losses, defense was a problem, but in very different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, we, I think we cut through some of that. And then offensively, it's also going to be a pretty different team. Yep. Um, just with the particularly connected to how D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley play. Um, I think is going to change the style of this team. So I want to talk through some of that, but I think we should start with the defense. I can't uh, get through like an hour without somebody asking me what I think about D'Angelo Russell's yeah. defense. So let's dig into it. Um, what you saw in what would pop for you with Russell well, defensively, Toronto, Charlotte games. Yeah. What popped was the end of the Toronto game. I yeah. think to me and to most people, they 
are doing their best to hide D'Angelo Russell, but once it got into winning time, the Raptors just did everything they could to switch a bigger player, mostly Pascal Siakam, mm-hmm. onto D'Angelo Russell, and then he... To force D'Angelo Russell to switch on to Pascal Siakam. Exactly. Yes. Yep. Thank you. And then it would just lead to buckets under the rim almost every time, and that's how the Raptors kind of pulled away. Um, so I think that that's concerning, and that's obviously going to be their biggest challenge is to figure out how to avoid that from happening, how to make sure that every team can't just do that anytime they want to go get a bucket. But I'm curious what you saw change between Toronto and then last night. Well, I, I think so. So yes, it's been pretty clear that they're they're putting D'Angelo Russell off ball mm-hmm. intentionally. And that makes a lot of sense. You have Josh Okogie, who's a lot better at that. Um, so when he was in the game, Toronto game, you know, you have him on Kyle Lowry. Um, Charlotte game, you have him on Devontae Graham. And then uh, D'Angelo will be guarding the worst wing. I mean, it was pretty random guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like all right, Patrick McCall or something in the Toronto game. Then last night in Charlotte, uh, Caleb Martin and Jalen mm. McDaniels, who are like le- legitimately not even NBA players. They've been in their, the Charlotte's G League system like all year, and they came up because Charlotte just cut yep. a bunch of their players. So they're hiding D'Angelo Russell. Now the question becomes how and when our team's going to attack that. And the Toronto game is a unique situation because you can run a pick and roll with Pascal Siakam, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the reason Toronto was able to do that was because at the end of the game, in the fourth quarter, Ryan took out Josh Okoge and put in James Johnson. So now D'Angelo Russell has to guard Kyle Lowry. Mm. It was very smart, I thought, of Nick Nurse to go, okay, we recognize this. Kogi's out of the game. We can expose Russell by running 4-1 pick and rolls with Siakam up top and having Lowry come set the screen, forcing Russell to switch on to Siakam. Didn't go well. Um, in Russell's defense, that wouldn't go well for most point guards. That's just a, a dynamic option that Toronto yeah. has. Like, Charlotte couldn't do that. Yeah. They, don't, they, they don't have Pascal Siakam. A lot of teams aren't going to have Pascal Siakam. But it's Siakam. not rare these days. Maybe it's not common, but it's not rare to have a bigger player who can run a pick and roll. I think my point more so is we're going to have many D'Angelo Russell frustrations defensively, mm-hmm. and they are going to be different than this. Mm. I think they're going to be mostly tied to his on-ball defense yep. uh, when he is forced to be um, the on-ball defender in a pick and roll or just his physicality in, in limiting guys from getting to the rim. That will be the more predominant thing because, yes, you're right, there are some teams who can do that, but like you're not going to see 4-1 pick and rolls the entire game. Yeah, that, that those are those are like fourth quarter stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I, I think I should note that in the Toronto game, in ways it makes sense that Ryan took a Kogi out of the game. They're down by like eight, mm-hmm. and there's like what four or five minutes left. They needed points. Josh is not an offensive option. He went with James Johnson, who had made like two or three threes, had just kind of helped the offensive group. So I get that in some extent. To some extent, if the score was one hundred to one hundred. And, and he would have gone with James Johnson over Josh Okogie, then I think you can really point the finger more so at Saunders there because you're then kind of playing right into Nick Nurse's hands and be like, yeah, well, here you go, full house. I got Pascal Siakam, right? Yep. Um, so so it'll just be, it'll be just kind of interesting to monitor in that sort of way. And then we haven't, we haven't even seen any sort of like Cat and D'Lo problems mm-hmm. in the pick and roll, which everyone has just assumed was going to be the worst thing ever. You know, in fact, I thought in the Toronto game, 
the Wolves desperately missed Cat defensively. Yep. As weird as that is to say. I mean, they got brutalized on the offensive last blast. Night. Yeah, in the yeah. Charlotte game. Yeah. They really needed they really needed a defensive rebounder. Mm-hmm. Biombo, Her- Willie Hernan Gomez. They just needed size. They, they needed, needed size. something in the way of of what Charlotte was doing. And and then we've talked about this. Like Cat, you know, I don't think he's a, a great rim defender, but he is a rim defender. Mm-hmm. Um you know, Nas Reed is not. No. James Johnson got some blocks, yep. but he's not a rim defender. No. Uh, so it just, it, it was really the difference, I, I thought, in the game, was, uh, was not having Cat to play defense. Yeah. That, that, which sounds great. And then they could have also, clearly in the fourth quarter or the second half, used another offensive option in, yeah. in Towns, too. But, uh, but yeah, I think, I, I guess, the issues we've seen in these two games— like I don't think are going to be the main issues going forward. If we presume Cat's going to come back, yep, then he's going to be back. So you have that taken care of. And then with, you know, with Russell, the four-one pick and roll thing's going to be a little different. I'm interested to see what Boston the next game looks mm-hmm. like because there's no there's no Jalen McDaniel's, there's no Caleb Martin, yeah. there's no Patrick McCaw in Boston. Like you got to guard if you're not you know if you're not guarding Kemba Walker, yep, you got to go guard Gordon Hayward, yep. And then they'll just put you in there too. So that one will be that'll be an interesting test of the first interesting test of D'Angelo Russell's on ball defense. Yeah, no, and I think you're right. Like his ability to get over screens and stay with his man is the most concerning thing, probably in my mind. Just like as one little thing, I think you see it over and over again. And now they've got a team of guards besides Josh Okogie with. Jordan McLaughlin, mm-hmm. Malik Beasley, and D'Angelo Russell, who are all pretty small and who none of them are really good at that, really good. good at sticking with their men. So when Josh Okogie is out of the game, it's going to be a struggle for them. Sure. Um, but then to your point about last night and just missing cat size, I mean, part of that was you looked at when he was out of the game like, oh, my God, what are they going to do? <laughs> like, who, who are they going to start? Oh, James Johnson, okay, I guess, like, kind of makes sense. Like, are you going to start Nas Reed? Maybe not. But they just had no one, mm-hmm. and that's tough. One of my questions about that was, do you think they think Omari Spellman is worse than Jarrett Vanderbilt? And that's why Spellman's in Iowa, but Vanderbilt's up here. Um, I think they see them playing different positions. Okay, I straight up asked Ryan last night, you know, once we got the cat news, I, I said, my, my question was literally, what position does Jared Vanderbilt play? Yeah. And I, I was presuming the answer was going to be center, big. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I was asking, like, thinking, you know, is he going to get in this, like, backup cat rotation? And Ryan goes, said, combo four, three, four. I was like, what's a four, Ryan? <laughs> I'm serious. I, I don't, How can yeah. he say that? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's countered other stuff. But what it does signal is he's not in the... Quote unquote, he's a wing. He's a wing. Yeah. And and that that's surprising to me. I mean, there's not a lot. To, I've tried to watch everything I could on Vanderbilt. It's just there's not a lot out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I think th- to answer your Spellman question, they probably see Spellman more as a five. Okay. Um, which would have made sense in this situation to have him up for this yeah. game. But I, I, I think what uh, a lot of people are frustrated about, no Spellman, definitely hear that noise. That could have been logistical. Like he was already in Iowa. They kept, yeah, the cat news was late. There's some anatomical issues too. Sure, sure. Uh, he's Omar Spellman put on way too much weight this summer. Mm-hmm. Struggled to get it off and got hurt in Atlanta because of it. That was the view. That was their view there. Um, he was traded to Golden State. Lost some weight. Has looks like a looks like the 
archetype of a good player. Mm-hmm. Interesting, spread the floor a little bit, can bounce. But he still has issues outside of weight. Sure. Personality-wise. Yes, that, that makes is, sense. That is, that's a big part of the reason he got shipped out of Golden State. And for a team that's bad, the Timberwolves, to like, you know, it makes sense then to send him to Iowa and say, you've got to figure this stuff out yeah. before you earn your chance. I mean, obviously, I have no idea about these details. I mean, but. I don't think, <laughs> at the end of the day, I don't think they were super interested in taking on Jacob Evans or Amari Spellman. Hmm. I, Golden State said, you got to take these guys. Yeah. They, Golden State needed them gone so Golden State could get under the tax. Yep. Uh, I mean, Jacob Evans is... Has always looked pretty bad. He's the worst player from the first round of the 2018 draft. And Amari Spellman's probably right there too. That said, I mean, I would, I, they're still first-round picks. Mm-hmm. They still have two more years like at super cheap rookie-scale deals. But from the conversations I've had, like... Both of those players' star has really fallen. Yeah. And they were mostly salary dumps as much as anything. With the potential of, you know, they're still 21 years old or whatever. Sure. Yeah, I was thinking about it in more of a micro sense. Like, just could you have used Omar Spellman last night? Because when you looked at yeah. once Cat was out, it was like, oof. Like, you could predict Bismack Biombo was going to have a nice game. I mean, yep. they were doubling Bismack Biombo every time he touched the ball. And if you have to double Bismack Biombo every time he touches the it's ball, there's something else that's wrong. Well, I think they shouldn't have done that. Sure. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I, I, that's what I was saying. I'm like, why the hell are you let, doubling let, Bismack Biombo? it up. For sure. Yeah. Like, it's Bismack Biombo. The problem with Bismack Biombo was that he was killing you on the glass. Yep. You got to throw more bodies. Yep. At him when it goes on the glass. What? Yeah, that I I don't know what that the thought process was behind that. And it was like always D'Angelo Russell as the doubler, which I guess he's guarding the worst the G leaguers. But yeah, I mean, but he's not the best help defender. I, yeah, I, I don't know. There, there's a lot of issues there. I don't know. I mean, this defense is it's going to be. There's going to be a ton of questions. Mm-hmm. And and I do think it's going to be something that's going to be really hard for us to assess even in these final 25 games. Um, when you have a group of below average defensive talent, mm-hmm. uh, the only way it works is if you get, you need a training camp and you need to defend with five. You need to defend as a group. And I don't think they, I mean, they're not going to have that this year. It's mm-hmm. probably going to go really poorly. The The question is more existential of, you know, can how good can you be if your defensive ceiling is something like 15th in the league middle sure. of the pack yeah yeah um and that's kind of what i wrote about this week is that the vision mm-hmm. that with this new roster has clearly changed yeah um into being like the houston rockets which as you know gerson came in right away at his, his initial press conference and said to be a playoff team you gotta be top 10 on both sides of the ball to be a contender you gotta be top five well he's changed his tune there necessarily so because he's now doesn't have good defensive players on his team to like the net impact, which is essentially net rating, you know, of he's actually said this. Yeah. Okay. I well, didn't see this. Yeah. It was direct net impact. Okay. Um, huh. of, you know, which is, it implies basically in so many words that to be a, if you're a top five offense, you can be a, a 15th middle of the pack defense and make the playoffs. And then, and then kind of the next level of that is, if you're the number one offense in the league, then you can probably be five, six, seventh, you know, yeah. in, on, on defense. And that's literally what the Houston Rockets were. Yeah. Last season when Houston, well, the first season of Chris Paul and James Harden, 
Houston was number one in offense and number seven in defense. They had the best record in the NBA, uh, 65 and 17. And they were a contender. Legit. Yeah. They got knocked well, I think out in the, game well, seven. When the Wolves made the playoffs two years ago, they were fifth in offense and 22nd in defense mm-hmm. or something like yes. that. So, so, yeah. so you, I mean, it's, I think he's setting the standard even higher than like the eighth yeah. seed. But like, sure. The, then the next year, when, when Houston fell off a little bit, they got a little bit older, lost some mm-hmm. defenders, lost a reason on Bamute. Um, they were second in offense and 17th in defense and still made the playoffs. Yeah. There was still like the third or fourth seed. So, I mean, that's the angle. <laughs> this, yeah. t- this new Timberwolves team, I mean, Gerson Russell was obviously there in Houston. That's, that's the angle for this team of, I mean, they're going to kind of re- reverse that where initially, you know, maybe if it's next year, two years from now, they want to be top five in offense. Yep. 15th in defense. And then a couple years after that, number one in offense, you know, top five in defense. I think that's the trajectory this team's going on. It's just, they're probably never going to be a good defensive team. Yeah. And I think that, that idea that like D'Angelo Russell, you have to squint so sideways to see Car Anthony Towns, and D- I have to squint so sideways to see Car Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell becoming anything even that close to a championship core mm-hmm. underscores two really important points. That doesn't mean I don't think they can be a successful core because I think that there are different mm-hmm. degrees of success. I agree with that. Um, but I think that that underscores two important things. One, that rounding out the roster around them has to be done so meticulously to make sure that that defense could even be 15th, 18th. Yeah. And that... And because by, with this roster... Sorry to cut you off. No. If, if it was game zero right now and they were they had, we're going to play yep. a whole season with this roster, what do you think it would be offensively and defensively? I think it would be... Seventh offensively and twenty seventh defensively, something like that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Maybe like I was gonna even go like tenth, twenty ninth, sure, something like sure. that. Yeah, actually, I mean, you got like the Knicks and the Hawks. There's some really bad defensive teams. So and the Wolves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the Wolves would be. But yeah, yeah some, okay. One Continue. of the worst. Um, it's you, you have to do a really perfect job filling the cracks around them because you need not only solid defenders, like in a general sense, but defenders that fit tactically like mm-hmm. Josh Okogie, but ones that can shoot so you can keep them on the floor and yeah. stuff like that. But it also just comes back to Cat again. And maybe more of this onus should be put onto D'Angelo Russell, but I just think that Carl Anthony Towns has the physical makeup yep. to be a solid defender. And yeah, losing hope by the day that that's ever going to happen. But if if they want to be anything better than that, you know, fifteenth best, best defense ceiling that you've laid out, it's going to be on Cat figuring this out. I think Cat's a better individual defender than DeAndre Russell is. Yeah, I think he is a below average defender at his position. Oh yeah, and given the importance of that position in defense today, the mm-hmm. center position, I think it's magnified so that his the burden he presents feels larger. Um, but I think because of his size um, and, and, and the, I think he does have defensive talent that he, that cat is, uh, can be an okay defender, you know, and it, it's obvious we've been through them, like the more so the mental lapses. D'Angelo Russell uh, is non-confrontational in nature, physically yeah. on both sides of the ball. Yeah. And, and that's going to be, it's going to need to be rectified to some degree or, or he will not improve mm-hmm. a, as a defender. And I think that that could be as simple as working on his body this summer, 
strength wise. Uh, but, but I think he's a, a worse individual, individual defender right now than cat. The good thing I will say, and you mentioned this earlier that they're a little bit small. I don't think D'Andre Russell's that small for a point guard hmm. defender. I think he, I think he has the body type to be able to do what they want to do defensively, which, you know, we know, and then the, the be able to go over the screen and, you know, rear, chase down the guard for that rear view contest. He's six four, six five, pretty long. Yep. Like he has the type of body that, that can get there and annoy the, annoy the guard. But the di- where it's going to come down to is, do you have the grit or the athleticism? Or, yep. Because he doesn't really have that burst. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I probably, it's probably more about the athleticism and the want to than the size for Russell. Sure. Yeah. 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 That's, I've just, exactly. I would put that the same way. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think the size is as much, as much of a problem, but it is, I will say too, just standing by him now a couple times or, you know, being around him in the locker room. I thought he was going to be bigger yeah. than he well, is. Just like the totally. measurables I'd seen. He's I mean, I was at the game last night and just seeing him from yeah. 50 yards away, yeah. he's a skinny, scrawny dude. Yeah. Like he just looks nimble. Like he looks like you could push him over like defenders do. Yeah. yeah. But I think it also looks like the frame. He's long. That could get bigger. I, yeah. No, I I or think I put agree on, with that. Put on... I, I, I mean, I, I think he could put on some, like, some weight. Yeah, like he's got the, the shoulders for it. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree with that. So, but I mean, it's we he, said the same thing about Andrew Wiggins. He never put on any weight in, yeah. in his career. Here. Like, it needs to be something that's prioritized. Yep. You know, by the player, and I, mean, I don't even mean that as a rip on Andrew. Like, Andrew pretty clearly wanted to stay at the size he was at. <laughs> right, you think, right? Well, like, I, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, no, it sure seems like it. He did stay at the size he was at. So yeah. if he wanted to do something differently. You, you would think. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> um, we're going to give Wiggins some love later because I just, I watched a couple of these these Golden State games, but we'll get to that later. I want to talk about offensively uh, this new group, uh, Russell, connecting it to Russell, but also... It's become pretty clear in these three games that Malik Beasley is a really big part of this. Mm-hmm. Particularly offensively, he's going to be a very high usage guy. He's also pretty clearly the third best player on the team. Uh, so we got to think about the offense through the lens of them. DeAndre Russell is has been a very high volume pick and roll player his whole career. Mm-hmm. The Timberwolves are not a high pick and roll team. Malik Beasley has been a player who works at all three levels of the floor. The Timberwolves largely reject the mid the mid range, and Russell's a mid range guy too. So. They're like, we, we said, oh, these guys fit the system. Well, isn't the system just analytics? I think so. It's three-point shots and fast. So, no. Like, if you look at DeAndre Russell and Malik Beasley's stats, they mm-hmm. don't fit the system. I think, Outside of the fact that they can shoot. The well, system is yeah. not just three-point shooting, I guess is my point. I think it's a big part of it. But I agree, it's not all of it. I think Malik Beasley fits it in the sense that he can play fast, but D'Angelo Russell doesn't really. D'Angelo Russell fits it in the sense that he's a point guard. Along those lines, high-volume pick, pick-and-roll point guard. Mm-hmm. And the Wolves have not run a lot of pick-and-rolls. Now, there's a this year, 23rd in, in pick-and-roll volume this year, the Timberwolves are. You can say, all right, that's... Partially, Jeff Teague, Shabazz Napier, Andrew Wiggins not being good pick-and-roll initiators. 
um, which which is probably true. Wiggins Wiggins was their highest volume pick and roll guy, um, 23rd in pick and roll volume in the league, 22nd in efficiency of those 23. Wasn't very good at it. Mm-hmm. So did that deter them from running pick and rolls? Or or was it everyone else around them? And and like Russell's been running these pick and rolls for in Brooklyn and then Golden State. And there's just like this assumption because Cat's very talented that he's going to unlock Russell's efficiency in pick and roll, which is not good, by the way. Before Russell got here, he was 10th in pick and roll volume, and of those 10, the least efficient in this it. year. This year. What about last year? Last year, he was of the 17 guys to run over 500 pick and rolls. He was second, ran 920. Oh, so he. Oh, he second. was second in volume and 12th in efficiency. Okay. So. Last year, 0.89 points per possession Yep, in not, pick and roll. Not good. Not good. That was 12th out of the top 17. This year, 0.89 points per possession in pick and roll, 10th out of the top 10. Mm-hmm. The Timberwolves are don't run it very much. They're also 0.89 points per possession, oddly. In, fits, in that. fits right. Fits right. In. <laughs> not very good. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, I keep going back to Cat, and I go, are we sure Cat – is really great at pick and rolls. No, I don't <laughs> think there would be any reason to think that he's really great right? at pick and rolls. Ricky Rubio was really great at pick and rolls, and I think Cat fed off of that. But I also do think that this is, to me, like a area of the game where you could point to like chemistry as being more important or like okay. having a rapport. Like I thought that Cat and Ricky Rubio did kind of have a rapport, and then Ricky Rubio went away, and then there were ball handlers that weren't very good pick and roll players and they didn't do it that much. So cat just kind of cat's not very good at it. He's not very good at setting screens. He doesn't have good timing on the roll. He's a much better popper, Mm -hmm. but I think that, you know, with a point guard who's more dedicated to finding you in the pick and roll, if you do have something like an off season and something like a training camp and something like, a different playbook that's set up to cater to that a little bit more, that would help their odds of success a lot in my mind. I, I agree with that. It was just it was just interesting to watch them go pick and roll after pick and roll mm-hmm. at the end of that game last night, the Charlotte game. Uh, and it was, again, that looked exactly like Houston James Harden. Yeah. Somebody come set a screen, let's get Biombo on Russell and see what he can do. Yep. That was the fourth quarter offense. Mm-hmm. And... And I was like, man, well, how how would this be different if Cat was in the game? You know, would you would you be trying to get that switch? You still every time would that be like where the way the offense would go through? Or would you or would you mix those up? I also thought Biombo did a really good job on Russell, where he just dared him to go right, and Russell never yep. did. So then I started thinking, I was like, okay, you get that initial switch, and then maybe you come back again with another screen for him and then Russell can get back going left. Yeah. For, for the, I, I think they could have created more space for Russell and they just decided to have him isolate. But, like, Cat can't hurt him. No, exactly. I just, I just don't, like, this idea that that 0.89, 10th out of the 10 point guard, top point guard, or not point guard, it's just players mm-hmm. in pick and roll efficiency, the idea that that's going to, like, rock it up to Damian Lillard levels or Kemba Walker, that, that just... I don't think Cat does that. No. I I don't think that just happens. I think that Cat, just by nature of the optionality and the space, would 
give it a bump. I'm not going to say that over the next 30 yeah. games of the year, like he'll for sure be produced greater yeah. than 0.89 points per possession but, as a pick and roll ball handler. But I think if kind of like what we were saying, if the season started today and those two were a pair, yeah. it would be higher. But if it is to explode to like the levels of a Damian Lillard, like some people might be hoping it's going to be both on Cat improving his screen setting and his timing and them developing rapport on that side of the ball. And I think what could unlock it is the height of the pick and rolls. You have two players who can shoot the crap out of the ball. Yes. And they can do it from half court. <laughs> I mean, yeah. get get set it high, yep. space the floor, you know. see. Russell has shown to clearly be a player who can shoot a three five feet beyond the line. Those two should shoot 18, 19 threes a game next year. Or yeah. the rest of this year? For, yeah, I mean, for I, I, I yeah. think so. Yeah. I mean, but I'm, I'm, but I don't know about the chemistry part. Like, I, I think I'm with you, like in theory. Yeah, but but it's, it's all a theory right now. Yeah, it. I don't know, but I think to some people it's like more yeah, of right. an assumption, totally, than it is a theory. And I don't know. I mean, again, maybe I'm partially indicting Cat because he has played with Andrew Wiggins, who. Didn't like doing pick and rolls with Cat, it seemed. Like, how annoying would that have gotten when every time you go to set yeah. a screen for the ball handler, they just reject it and go do their own thing? Mm-hmm. Or, like, I remember I was at that, that, that Brooklyn game. You're talking to Cat in the locker room. And, well, first of all, he said Bahamas wasn't a joke. But he actually t- <laughs> talked about real stuff after that. Bahamas was a joke. But it turns out Bahamas was a joke. <laughs> uh, but he was, what he said in that game, he goes... Because Wiggins got going, remember, in the fourth quarter? And he's like, I just decided to set screens, not pop, not roll, not nothing. Just yep. block Wiggins' guy and and get him to go downhill. Yeah. He's like, I just want him to go downhill. I want him to go downhill. And I was like, interesting. The night car Anthony Towns realized what pick meant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he could have popped. Like, you could set the screen well. It's funny, like, one I, Mississippi yeah, yeah. pop. But whatever, he did, like, um, but that's, like, that's what required Wiggins to use it. Yeah. I guess is my point. Yeah, Wiggins no, totally. was like, oh, this is for me. Mm-hmm. And then he, then he started using it. And oh my gosh, like, my guy can't get around him. Yeah. Like, it's also <laughs> got to be annoying for the ball handler when every time comes Cat comes up to set a screen, Slip. he's slipping it. <laughs> yep. And he's not actually, like, hindering your, per, your, exactly. your defender. Yeah. I, I just, I don't think Andrew brought a lot out of Carl Still. Like, oh, period. 325 pick and rolls this year, 0.86, which is even worse than Russell's poor number and 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 really high volume. Yeah. And they were and really we're, committed. We're working with Cat rather than working with <laughs> Omari Spellman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> In Golden State. Uh <laughs> I mean, yeah. So so those are I mean, those are the those are the pick and roll questions I have of like, well, how does DeAndre Russell fit in the pick and roll in this team? Uh to some degree, like it's one of those you do kind of give him credit for being a very high volume pick and roll player, even though the efficiency wasn't there. Yep. Because he's playing with nobody. Yep. In Golden State. Like nobody. Yeah. And in Brooklyn, like kinda. Like it wasn't like a special group. No. They were like 20th in offense. Yeah. Like, um, so you can spin it optimistically. Like, not only does he have Cat, who might or might not be really good at picking pops. Maybe let's roll one time. Uh, but 
you know, in theory, he also has Malik Beasley surrounding him. Yep. Uh, who appears to for sure be a shooter. Like, Wancho, a shooter in theory. Jake Lehman coming back, like, a, probably a shooter. Like, that's a— Well, Jake Lehman, the jury's out. For well, me. Well, Wancho, the jury's for sure out. For sure, yeah. I think, i bet Jake Lehman is a better shooter than I put Wancho. those two in a very similar bucket. But yeah, agree. I think we've—well— I think I, I totally agree with you that it's like it's all a theory right now, <laughs> yeah. but the, ser- the, the theory is sound. D'Angelo Russell can pull up and shoot from anywhere if a defender doesn't give the respect he demands when, a pick, when yep. he's operating out of a pick and roll. He also has always looked like he's a sound decision maker in like finding that pocket pass. Mm-hmm. And so as long as Carl Anthony Towns can figure out how to get in the way of that dude and time his role right, like, it should work. That should. should be there. And now the next step of this is if the three isn't there, if the roll isn't there, it's the mid-range shot for yep. D'Angelo Russell. He's made 50% of his mid-range shots this year. Yep. Super good. Mm-hmm. Compare that to Andrew Wiggins, who took um, – so, so last year, 26.5% of Wiggins' shots were mid-range shots. He cut that in half in Minnesota this year to 13.2. You would think that would make the number go up. But last year, he was 34.7% from mid-range. Awful. Yep. And this year, he was 34.3. He's never been above 40%. No, no. I mean, it's a... But he would... Like, the idea that Wiggins stopped shooting mid-range shots is not true. Mm -hmm. And so you're you're replacing his... You're going to... Those mid-range shots aren't going to go away because DeAndre Russell, who is a 50%... Mid-range shooter this year. Not not for his whole career or anything, but he's a... But like the last couple years. He's a very good mid-range shooter. And so is Malik Beasley. Last year, Beasley was 43.7% from mid-range. And this year, in Denver, he was 43.8. Mm-hmm. And it was at that same, at Wiggins's current volume. Sure. Which was half of last year, about that 13, 14% of his shots. Mm-hmm. So, so he's, both of those guys are going to work from the mid-range. Which I don't mind as much because they're... They are historically been solid mid-range shooters. Yep. And if they use the mid-range to open up other things, then that's cool. Like a 44% mid-range shot is cool. Yep. Um, well, I know that doesn't sound great, but if it's... I mean, Malik if Beasley taking, had a quote on that last night, didn't he? He did, yes. Yeah. He was. It was actually from practice the day before, um, and he was talking about, like, I believe in taking shots from all three levels, uh, like not necessarily because the analytics, but if I take that mid-range shot then that's going to force the big to come up the next time. And I can either then have the drop off or I can b- go downhill, blow past the guy. Yep. And, and you know, that, 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 that makes sense. That's why anybody takes totally. mid-range shots. Yep. Like that's the value of a mid-range shot. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to knock it down in the first place. You got to be, you got to be a quality, you got to be Chris Paul or yep. like, or like up there, you know, or you got to be Kyrie. Like that, that, those are why those guys, it hurts when they take mid-range shots because, the next time they're not going to. Because that difference between a 34% mid-range shooter and Andrew Wiggins and 43 or 50% and yeah. Malik Beasley or D'Angelo Russell is absolutely massive, not only for like the points per possession it's going to lead to, but be, because of what it requires a defender exactly, to Exactly, because yeah. of the way you're going to be defended. Yeah. And it, it's, it, you know, it will it will change the way that this team is defended from the yeah. mid-range. It's also not, I feel like we've talked about this a little a lot like doesn't mean zero mid-range shots it means mm-hmm. find the optimal number of mid-range shots that makes a defender treat you that way but doesn't like cut down on your efficiency just because of the math of it all and that was what Andrew Wiggins struggled so hard yes. to find and hopefully Beasley and Russell 
have an easier time situating themselves into. And again, it's just worth noting that the volume with which Beasley has taken mid-range shots these past two years is in line with the volume that Andrew was taking this season, which we were more cool with. Yeah. Which what was about half. Russell? I don't have his percentage of it's his gotta mid-range shots. It's got to be higher. Yeah, yeah it's, it's higher, but he's also, you know, he's also better at it. Like literally like uh, up there with CJ McCollum as like one of the best mid-range shots. Yeah, yeah. And like Kyrie's always been up there. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, but again, well, the difference, you know, with, with Russell is he he lacks the ability to get to the rim. Completely. And so he kind of has to take that by necessity. Yeah. So now if, like, the big comes up on DeAndre Russell, like Beasley was describing, well, D'Lo's probably not going to be like, okay, head down, I'm going to get by you and try and go finish. Like, he just hasn't done that. Yeah. So he kind of has to have the pass. He has to have the kick out there because he just doesn't have the physicality to do so. Yep. Um. Beasley's a weird one. Like, so at the rim last year, he was 66%. Really good. Yep. This year in Denver, he was 51%. So to, to be able to justify taking the mid-range shots, you got to be you got to be killing it at the rim and behind the arc. Mm-hmm. Beasley, it's like, I think we, we're betting like, okay, yeah, shooter. Like he's for sure a shooter. Yep. What is he when he when he gets to the when when he gets to the rim? And I, I like him. I like what we've seen from him. But he's got a little bit of Josh Okogie chaos. A little bit. On, on his attacks. Like, less so. Josh is the craziest. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, he's got he's to gotta work on that. And I was at, at practice the other day. Him and Kevin Burleson were really working on, like, a lot of just, like, operating in the lane right there. Like, working on right-left Euros, left-right Euros. You're working on, you know, kind of like the football cradle thing. Yep. Where you're, like, driving the lane and, and you know, he's doing that. Like, that's what Beasley like that. Those are the things I think he has to work on because eventually, if he's legit a third option, they're going to start, and he's hitting forty percent of his threes, shooting ten of them a game. Mm-hmm. Like their teams are going to adjust to that. Yeah. So now you got to you got to make that off the dribble game dynamic. You got to be able to hit that mid range shot at forty five percent, and then if they're respecting that, the big's coming up like he was saying. Then you got to be able to cradle the ball and go get to the rim and finish. So like. Now, if you can check all three of those boxes, like, you're awesome. Well, then you're like, an all-star. I, I don't even care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't even care what, what your restricted free agent space is. That's great. Yeah. But those are, those are kind of the questions. And I think it's going to be interesting to navigate within this very analytically driven team of what sort of autonomy are Beasley and Russell given to take mid-range shots? Totally. Because even if they're good, there can still be arguments made mm-hmm. that it could be less. And I... Uh, I hope they still work to find that optimal number, and I'm sure they will. If they were able to, like you said, it's not like Andrew Wiggins totally like divorced the mid-range shot, but it was a very significant decrease. So if they were able to communicate that with him and get him to put it into practice, you've got to believe it's still going to be a priority with these new guys. Yeah, and Andrew Wiggins was shooting 68% at the rim in a Timberwolves mm-hmm. street. That's yep. really good. Really good. And so I mean, he's a bigger, more physical player than those two yep. able to finish at the rim. But, you know, it's all, the system plays into all of that. If there's a reason that was his highest at the rim yep. rate of his career is a system too. Them. So like yeah. you think that would trickle down, you know, to, to, to Beasley and Russell to, to some extent. If you, if this floor spacing, if this downhill style of the guards, you know, sticks, but it's, it's, you know, it's kind of what is, What's to be determined? Like yeah. going forward. Yeah. 
Totally. I don't like, uh, speaking of Malik Beasley, he's been super fun to watch. Super fun to watch. And this is getting way too forward, but I think it's on a lot of people's minds. What do you think, what kind of restricted free agent offer sheet do you think you'd get today? If it was if free agency started, I know like there's not a lot of teams with cap space, and I know who knows what he's going to do over 30 more games. But do you have a number in your mind of what you expect him to get, or what you expect the Wolves to be willing to to match on him? Um, the number I've been saying, dude, we were talking about this on Media Row yesterday, and I had the lowest number of the group, and I said 448. 12, what he would get, years. or what you'd pay him? What he would get? Sure. Yep. And so let, I, I guess let's let's parse through this. Malik Beasley is a restricted free agent, mm-hmm. meaning that that he can, the Wolves can negotiate an offer with him, or they can say, go out on the restricted market, sign an offer with another team, and we'll decide we will match, decide if we want to match that that offer. That those are the restrictions of restricted free agency. The difference is if Malik Beasley is going to get over nine point eight million dollars annually. The mid, that's the mid-level exception, then only five teams only five teams can offer that. Because those are the only teams with cap space. Yes, and currently those five teams are Atlanta, Charlotte, Detroit, Miami, and New York. So, yeah, I look at Detroit and New York as kind of your big yep. competitors. Maybe Miami. I mean, I think you can pretty much straight up cross yeah. off Atlanta. Maybe Miami, yep. Uh, because they have Trey and mm-hmm. Kevin Herter in the backcourt, plus mm-hmm. you know two other Test wings in in uh, in Hunter and and yeah. Reddish. Like I just I, I couldn't see that Charlotte, who we, who we saw last night. Uh, Terry Rozier didn't play, but their backcourt is pretty short up. And Devontae Graham, yeah, and Terry Rozier on the wing. They even have they, they pretty clearly like Miles Bridges, Malik Monk's playing. You know, it's just it, it's hard to see him fit in either of those places. Detroit sucks. Yep, they could use Malik Beasley totally. Uh, so I think that's a risk. Miami. Sure, if he's a good player, they'll take him. But they're going to be, I got to believe they're shooting for bigger fish than. Well, that's what I'm saying. Aren't all these teams, like New York? Like, if you're the Knicks. Well, maybe they're shooting. If that's the guy, if if, if you're the New York Knicks in this summer, you have $31.4 million in cap space and and you come back with the league Beasley. But look what happened last year. I know, I'm just saying. (laughs) Are they going to do that two years in a row? Yeah. It's new management, like. And he's also restricted, so that makes it even more complicated. Exactly. Then it it ruins their, yeah. Yeah, ruins their efforts at other. Like Miami and New York, so they would have to present an offer sheet. Yeah. And it would freeze their cap space for three days. And the Wolves can sit on it. And the Wolves can sit on it. Miami and New York aren't going to freeze their cap space yeah. for three days and be like, oh, if we don't get Malik Beasley, then we can't go after anyone else. Like, yeah. I don't know, man. So well, that's just a restricted market if those are totally. the only teams that can offer you. He like, did, what it, was what he declined last summer, this past summer, 330 or 440? 430. 330. So three years, 30, 10 million a year. You'd think he's probably maybe looking for mm-hmm. another year, but probably looking for more annually. So if yeah. you could get to that 448, you give them both. Um, I just feel like that's enough. I, I, he also, like, let's call a spade a spade. Like, he was not good in Denver this year. Yeah. No. Well, and I mean, a lot of factors go into that, sure. but like, yeah. Uh, nothing about his play said that's a like 
in Denver this year said that's a player that's worth twelve million a year for the next four years. Nothing yeah. by it did. And maybe we're seeing, you know, Andrew Wiggins had three great games in Golden State that look even better than what mm-hmm. he was doing in good days mm-hmm. in Minnesota. Maybe we're seeing that from Malik Beasley right now. He's really reinvigorated. He's got this new opportunity. He's having Which isn't what you and I are saying. No, 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 we no. We like no. him. We like him. But totally. maybe. But yeah. But maybe. I also wonder if there will be, and this is just getting too far into the weeds. Hopefully there's some goodwill there though. Like yeah. what, what was he going to get if he had played out the rest of his year in Denver? What was his offer sheet going to look like this summer then? Well, like, it was literally going to have to come from one of those five teams. And it was going to be lower because he wasn't going to play a lot between now and in the rest of the year or in the playoffs. So right. you got to believe that getting traded to Minnesota and now starting for 30 games is going to raise his market value, even if he doesn't continue playing like this. So maybe there's some goodwill, like yeah. you're the team that gave me this opportunity. I right. want to stay here i mean yeah hopefully the, the other thing i'm thinking about though and this is new like i mean it really started last year was the sign of trades are back mm-hmm. like d'angelo russell was a restricted free agent last summer and was signed and traded as a f- restricted free agent to golden state like they could do a sign and trade with one of not these five teams mm-hmm. now so that opens it up that it, if they're you know if other teams that it Decreases the likelihood that he's in Minnesota, but you're going to get an asset. Exactly. Back. Then you're not losing him for nothing. Then you're not. And losing I think him for that's. Nothing. But so to lose him for nothing, it would need to be to one of those five teams. Yeah, and I think that's really worth an option worth thinking about because if D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns is your core, you're going to have to think super super hard about every piece that you lock up alongside it. And I really like what we've seen from Malik Beasley so far. But who knows what these you next 30 mi- games will he, show it you. It needs to work. You can't miss. If you offer him a 448 contract, that he needs to he needs to end up being a player who's worth way more than 448. Yep, exactly. And you know, that's I mean that's the, the gamble, but yep. you got to take smart gambles. Yep. Um, and is he going to be is he are these next 30 games going to make him look like the perfect fit alongside those two? I don't know. I don't know. I I'm uh, with him. With Beasley, I'm more concerned about his fit with Russell than I am his fit with Cat. Mm, yeah. Makes sense? A, yeah, I'd like it'd be hard to not be able to fit with Cat, especially on offense. Yeah. I just think okay, put it like this. Cat has needed a Malik Beasley all year. Totally. And these these doubles Cat's seeing are getting out of control. Mm-hmm. Teams aren't even like, we're not even playing coy anymore. Cat no. touched it. Like, here I come from the other block, like, sprinting over to come double him. Like, Cat's not getting anything nope. if he touches the ball with inside the paint. They, I am very interested to see what it looks like with Cat if he is ever out there playing with, I'll take out Layman because you don't think he's good at shooting. No, but I like Layman around Cat post. Okay, so let's go with Cutter too. So let's go with around around Cat, D'Lo, Beasley, Crab, Layman. Yeah, something like that. I mean, that's shooting, or 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 even plug in like Wancho and James Johnson. Seem to be, like mm-hmm. guys, guys who aren't freaking a Kogi or Culver. Yeah, like if that's out of the mix. Then it's not going to be skip pass, swing, swing. Oh, we have a wide open shot. Oh, shoot, it's Josh again. Yeah. <laughs> like to have guys around, I'm I'm very interested in seeing that and having somebody as potent as Malik Beasley seems like he could be as just a catch and shoot guy on a skip. Like, you know, that that fits with Cat. I don't I don't even know what fitting with D looks like yet. Like that one I need to yeah. I need to process some. Uh but 
Maybe I'm just kind of going off of the Toronto game and it seemed a little wonky. Yeah, it did seem a little wonky. I thought it looked good last night. Um, yeah. Better, at least. Sure. I think there's a world where that backcourt does really work on the offensive end. Sure. But yeah. it, it could just... No, I'm not. By no means am I, like, out on it. No, yeah. But it uh, could just be horrible on defense. Yeah. I think... Uh, I don't think Beasley is terrible at defense. Mm-mm. I don't think the numbers are fair there. There was a play... What happened... Because the... I went back and looking at some Denver stuff when he was on the floor, just opponent makes when Beasley is on the floor. He has this thing where his brain turns off and his feet just look like nailed to the floor and the ball's swinging around and he's like six feet off of his guy and he's like thinking about, like thinking too hard about where the ball is going and then all of a sudden his guy has the ball and is taking an open three when like all Beasley needs to have done was like, take a step up to contest it like he freezes it happened a lot in Denver and there's a play last night in the corner I think uh maybe McDaniels made it somebody made it whoever he's guarding and it's just like what happened there yeah just like short-circuited and uh I think that's why his defensive numbers are bad it's not his I think he's physical enough I think he wants to be good at defense understands it but it's uh it's the mental element of it, of, of remaining. It's not even engaged. Like not being engaged makes it sound like he's not trying. It's just, I don't know, man. It's weird. Like, like watch it. Watch yeah. when other teams make threes, what Malik Beasley's doing. Sometimes he just doesn't know. It's it's like the the same result as a lot of D'Angelo Russell's defensive mistakes, but for a different reason. Sure. Like D'Angelo Russell will just appear to go brain dead and just like a ball watch and lose his guy. Mm -hmm. Whereas it appears that with Malik Beasley, it's more like overthinking because he does, he's like a hundred and a hundred percent energy guy. Right. Yeah. And what I'm concerned about is a lot of the bad defensive Malik Beasley plays I saw in Denver. It was because Michael Porter was doing something dumb Mm. and then it like transitioned to Beasley. Then it ended up being like, Beasley didn't go recover to Porter's guy, so it looked like it was Beasley's sure, fault, yeah. which it kind of was Beasley's fault, but it was initially Porter's fault. Yeah. Like, doesn't that ex- sound like exactly what's going to happen with D'Angelo Russell? Yeah. So, that's, yeah, that's my concern. <laughs> yeah. And that's why these last 30 games are important, and that's why every, especially key contract that you give out in trying to surround Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell yeah. with the right kind of roster is really important. Yeah. And, and, and Wancho's, too. I mean, one show too. Like, where, where, where is that perfect fit? Like, w- if that's your one five, Russell and Cat. I mean, he's got to be a bench guy. Yeah, if yeah. the team's gonna be good. And and, and I you like know, him. And if he's and if he's paid as such, that's fine. That's cool. And I kind of feel the same way about Okogie. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I would be a bench guy. We'll yeah. see what we'll see what Wancho gets on the market. If it ends up being like eight nine, you gotta you probably just gotta say no. I um, hope so. Because because this team this team needs a really good. Paul yeah, Ford. that'd be crazy. <laughs> kind of crazy if you got eight nine though. <laughs> I mean, who knows what's going to happen? But every over team's going to have their mid level. I mean, almost every team will have their mid level, yeah. which is nine eight. Like yeah. I could see a ton of teams throwing a, the majority of their mid level at Hernan Gomez. There's not a lot of options out there, man. True. Like, yeah, you just you're sure as shit not getting Beasley at fifteen to eighteen plus Wancho at like eight. No. You're not. No, like, that'd no be, way. That'd be dumb. Well, you, that, they, they literally, they're like 26 under the tax right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. They, you don't have, you got to round out the roster. Yeah. Like, yeah, two first round picks on your books right now coming. And you know, like lo- locking into that core of five, six players would be dumb. 
That's true. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> Multi-year deals in, yeah. that, in that in that sort of way. Yeah. Um, I did say I I so after the game uh, last night I, I started watching. You know, Saul Wiggins had a good stat line. And started watching. I watched his first game against the Lakers, mm-hmm. and then which I was like fairly impressed with. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the Suns game. Man, it's I watched the Heat game. I did. So I missed that one. Yeah. Okay, you go first. What you What you see in the Heat game? Well, the Heat game was like pretty. It was more typical Andrew Wiggins. He was mm. like non-existent in the first half, and then he had a really nice second half, like eighteen points in the second. That's kind half. of been the arc of a, a couple of these. Like yeah. he started the the Phoenix game last night slow. I just w- one thing I noticed is uh, he's playing off ball a lot, mm. and our thing has always been play him on the ball because he can you know get going downhill and and yeah. that'll help him out. And I wonder if they can get him in this mindset where he can be this really successful off-ball player, then Steph Curry and Klay Thompson come back. Then maybe this, like... Yeah, dude, but what we also always said was he should be cutting more. Yep. yep. Like, yeah, like both. It needed to be both mm-hmm. in, in in our Timberwolves vision, I think, or the Timberwolves organization's vision. Uh, the cutting volume was never there. And I watch him play these games for Golden State, and I see Andrew Wiggins sprinting all the time. Mm-hmm. And I see him cutting them setting because you know like Golden State's offense just has a lot of these like mid range DHOs and then back cuts and these sort of things where it's like a little bit more condensed but reliant on these little quick cuts. Wiggins come, I mean he, he's getting clean looks on cuts, mm-hmm. and but like I knew he had that. There is this I could I tried to like chop it to put it up on Twitter. I've never seen this from Andrew Wiggins ever. Where he, he like got a, it was like a little sort of screen action in the high post with Marquise Chris. And he goes to the basket and kind of ends up taking a turn, like turnaround shot, like a close one. It wasn't a bad shot, probably from like five or six feet. And he missed it short. His man, Kelly Oubre, catches the ball in front of him, like right in the lane. And Wiggins is more on the baseline. And Wiggins misses the shot, right? Mm-hmm. Oubre starts pushing up the floor. I have never... I've never in my life seen Andrew Wiggins sprint as fast as he did to go to sprint from the baseline to the other free throw line to get in front of Kelly Oubre. And he's so fast. Yep. He is so fast. Totally. And, and I don't, I don't, I don't even bring this up as like some sort of indictment of like in Minnesota, like we saw him try at times in Minnesota, but, but this is like a different level. Like do you, he's trying to prove a point, man. Oh, good, and he should be. Yeah. Um, do you? <laughs> I have a, a vivid memory comes into my mind when you say he's so fast. He, the specific thing. Do you remember a play? It must have been two years ago against the Wizards, where I think it was Bradley. Be- <laughs> this is like one. Yeah, go ahead. It was, but it was a Wiggins defensive highlight. I think, and I'll probably botch this a little bit, but something along these lines. Like Bradley Beal was had a transition opportunity, and Wiggins sprinted behind him and had the yes. chase down block, yep. and then it went that. out to. To might have been Otto Porter, and then he goes in the down corner, and, and then he goes and, and, and blocks a three point shot. Yeah, and so I, I think it was like that. So I, yeah. I think it's maybe not like never seen it, but like saw it only a couple times. Only a couple times, but I, his top end speed on this, it's yeah, I, on this one, like when you go, so he he does th- ends up in, on the play sprinting three quarters of the court. Yep, from from the one free throw line to like just past half court, mm-hmm. that like. Four steps, uh, the speed he was going at then, 
I've never seen before. So that's what makes this, what he, like his, you know, the success he's had over these last three games, what makes that stand out to you as being different from either the first 10, 15 games of this year when he was rejuvenated or the first yeah. few games after the Jimmy Butler trade when he was rejuvenated. Yeah. The, what makes that different is that like all out effort and not only offensive si- situations. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I, I just... Because I just, I'm like, of, he tried a lot so, this year too. He did so try. predictable. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I just like, how long is it going to last? Could it last ten games? Could it last twenty games? I would be really surprised if it lasted the rest of the year. Yeah, I don't know, but but I don't know. The, I don't know the answer. I just, it's happening. No, totally, and it, it's, it's fun happening. To see. I, I love that guy. The the <laughs> the only part of it that's irked me because I just want him to succeed. Is the like, oh, now the Warriors have someone who can check LeBron. <laughs> that side of it. Because I, I can see the offense. Hey, you know what? He you, is, am I the only person he, who's been he's seeing He's been that? the primary defender, though. Well, who else would be? I don't know, but he, he did a good job on <laughs> Devin Booker last yeah. night. Too, but I, I'm totally with you. Play it's, fine. Not his thing. it's not his thing. Yeah, yeah. But that's like, that was a big part of the yeah, trade. Yeah, Curry said that. We have somebody we can play. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, God, jeez. Okay. Still weighs 199 pounds, and I think LeBron's up to like 380 <laughs> these days. <laughs> well, and that's got to be the biggest, that'll be the most interesting, maybe the most interesting thing for me to see with Wiggins and Golden State is does he put on muscle? Because that would be the indictment on Minnesota. Because what in the world, man? I'll never understand how that dude looks the same as he did the day he was drafted. Well, he became a vegan. When? Like two years ago. That doesn't help. Why? Did somebody advise him to do that? He hasn't eaten meat in two years. I don't think so. Wait, is that what vegan is? Yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah. It's like it's a couple of those things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that well, is. Well, and I, what do I know? Maybe he's got dietary restrictions. Like, if for him, right. but like, if was there not a, a it's a, for sure a, harder to put on weight when you're a vegan. For sure. Was you there have, not like, a through protein a, through nuts? Yeah. Was there not a proper like strength training regimen for him, or was Dude, he not? Andrew Wiggins to execute did it? not like lifting weights. I promise you. I know that for a fact. But will he like lifting weights? Like, could the no, organization? Probably not, have, dude. Okay, but but probably I not. think that he will, will be. He won't. That would be the indictment on Minnesota to me. There's very little that could make this like a huge indictment on Minnesota, except, but him putting on weight would be interesting for me to see. Uh, yeah. I've watched him lift weights. Yeah. Put it like that. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's about as interested in that as uh, he was in the first half of the Chicago game. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know if Dred- cheering for him is the right word. I don't think I am. I'm not, but I, I'm interested. Yeah. I'm interested by it. And like, I, I'm rooting for him. I've, I've absolutely flamed him as he was going out the door here because I thought he deserved it because I thought he was uh, really bad in his five and a half years on the Timberwolves. And it was really critical for them to get rid of him, to be able to move forward. I don't know if this is going to work or not, but I did not believe Andrew Wiggins as your number two or three, or four, or five was going to work in Minnesota. He was the fourth banana the year the Timberwolves made the playoffs, yeah, and Jeff he wasn't Teague. very good. For Jeff sure. Teague was uh, head and shoulders better than Andrew Wiggins that year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think in Minnesota he needed to come off the bench, but you were paying him a match. It just, it just well, it wasn't going to work. Um, so I'm interested to see what, uh, you know, what, what the Timberwolves look like without him, but I'm also... I want to watch more of, the, more of this because this this Phoenix game, watching that player 
like, and Devin Booker was playing really well. If, if I, I didn't know the numbers, I, I thought I was, if I was like quote, scouting a college game or something, I'd be like, dang, that 22 in blue, he busts his ass and like has some offensive chops. Like that, that's, that's yeah. what I would have said. Yeah. Like best or second best player on the floor in that game. Yeah. Probably, probably Booker best. But um, I mean, it was, I don't know. If, if you got a league pass, go watch this play. It ends up, the play ends up finishing in a Shake Diallo uh, make for the mm. Suns. Like Ubre drops it off to Diallo or something. Uh, but, but Wiggins going full torpedo after a miss. That was the crazy part, man. After a miss. He didn't hang I was his head. Like, no, it was, it was, you know, and so we'll see. We'll see with him. Um, we'll see with this roster. You got anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here? No, but I think we should talk about Ryan Saunders next time. You got some thoughts? I just, I think that the all-star break, I, I think that Ryan Saunders' performance has been undercovered. Um, yeah. About a, a team that's massively underperformed. And I don't think it's been touched on much. And then an article came out where Sid Hartman interviewed Glenn Taylor about Ryan Saunders. And the conversation was, I mean, Glenn Taylor was adamant and or in his praise for Ryan Saunders. And I think that that's an interesting part of the second half of the season is what does Ryan Saunders need to show to be successful? Has he been successful? Is there anything he can hang his hat on? Where are we at with that? Um, To be short, uh, I don't think Ryan deserves a high basketball grade for this season. And at the end of the day, Gerson... Gerson's going to fire him if he's not a good coach. Gerson's cutthroat. Like, and, and when this team's ready to make their move, like move, move, blow it out, whatever, if that's 2021, like if, if they don't believe that Ryan is the best person for the job, then Chris Finch is going to be in here. Does, um, does seeing the owner say something like, uh, no, no, no. He's a young guy and he's going to get better as time goes on. We just have to give him that no. time. Does that give you less confidence that Rosas has the autonomy? No, no. That's just messaging. You messaging do. support for Ryan, who has dealt with a lot of crap this year. Sure. And uh, he likes Ryan. I think it's just, I think it's, I think it's messaging at the end of the day. Um, well, then I, I think, I think Ryan's going to get a shot. I think Ryan's going to get a shot uh, next year to show what he can do with this roster. That's going to actually be able to play the system. And I think if Ryan doesn't exceed expectations with that group in a meaningful way, he'll be out the door the next season. I think that's just the, not even the cutthroat nature of Rosas, the cutthroat nature of the NBA. Well, so then do you think, you think Rosas will keep him on kind of regardless of how he felt it went the season or Rosas has already made up his mind that Ryan Saunders is a good coach. I don't think Rosas has made up his so mind. So you just Ryan think Saunders he needs good. more of a sample size. Yeah. Sample size of like, just like I think we do. Like I, I think sure. Ryan, I think Ryan has made many coaching mistakes, obviously the Sacramento games chief among them, but I don't think we can indict Ryan for things like playing this style of basketball. That's not his choice. You want to point fingers at things at Ryan point, point at the first six minutes of third quarters. Where teams out adjust him, out adjust him every single time. The Wolves talk are, about late game, late yeah. game uh, situations where he's getting outworked by coaches like that. Like, yeah, like he's lo- Ryan is losing those things. Six and twenty nine since the end of November. Eight and twenty nine in clutch time games. Three and twenty five versus teams above five hundred. Negative sixteen third quarter net rating since the end of November. Yeah, I just think a lot of a lot of those stats 
have to do with a, having a terrible roster that you're forcing to play a style of play that they're terrible at. And that's probably you got You got If you want, if 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 you and I are having an argument about Ryan Saunders, and I'm saying I'm Team Ryan, and you're not Team yep. Ryan, I'm not listening to anything you say that isn't citing a specific example of this happened in this game where he did X, Y, and Z wrong. Like aggr- aggregated numbers like that when they're they're like. They're tanking. I, I don't know. I, I, is six this and tw- I mean, six and twenty nine. Yeah, it should be better than that, Charlie. But not like, I don't know. Like, what 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 are the expectations? You think they should be like five hundred? You think they should be ten and twenty five? I, I like, think we said before the season they they felt like they were too good to tank, and now they're tanking. And I I, I agree, but I I I and I set my expectation at thirty seven wins. Yeah. The thing that changes for me and my expectation for the team is when I saw them actively starting to play a style of play mm-hmm. that cost them like six wins. Yeah. So, I, so yeah. I, like those are two separate things. Like, are we indicting the system or are we indicting Ryan? Because I don't think it's Ryan's. I don't think Ryan's allowed to say, "Hey, let's start. Let's do X, Y, and Z." That's going to lead to more wins. This was also what he said he wanted to do heading into the season, like. Play fast, shoot mm-hmm. more threes. You know, only use a big. Three That's wings what I'm talking. So, so let's indict. Let's indict some of those things. They're not playing fast. They're playing faster uh, recently, but sure. but you talk about the last yeah, yeah. like 20 games. They're yep. not. Yep. He hasn't been able to get the group to play fast. Yep. That's something you just enforce mm-hmm. as a coach. Like, and it, it, that might not work. But if you're saying that you want to do that, like you got to do it. Like when I ripped on Ryan last year, I wrote a whole column of like about how it did not go well, and it's because. Right away when he came in, he said, "We're gonna we're gonna play faster. We're gonna shoot more threes, and we're going to play better defense." Mm-hmm. He set he set those standards for himself, and none of those things happened. Mm-hmm. So I so I tore him up for it, like because because at some point pace is just pace. Yep. You know, and even even to take out the the stat pace, like watching the team play, you go, "This is team is not playing faster." Yep. And that's just about getting your point guard to push the ball. That's about getting your whole team to run. Like you want to talk about that or or. Well, I thought we were shooting more threes. Why are we shooting less threes than when there was tips? We can indict that. But win-loss stuff, I don't know. For me, I just can't can't really do that because the players are bad. Mm -hmm. Really bad team. Not 6-29 since the end of November bad. But I six and twenty nine from the end of November bad. That's a fourteen you, win pace. When you when you factor in when you factor in these two things, that they're actively playing the wrong style of play and the coach isn't very good because he's inexperienced. Okay, I, I'm acknowledging that. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying he's a good coach. I'm saying he, he is. He's getting outworked by these other guys because he doesn't have the experience. Yeah. So my solution to that would be get experience, not in the NBA. For sure, I, I agree with yeah. that. So my too. I think the only way that Rosas in my mind, like could justify keeping Ryan Saunders is if he feels so strongly that the reason Ryan has so pretty tremendously underperformed this season is because of the stylistic impositions Rosas has made on the roster and mm-hmm. its and its style of play. But, I think that's the number one, but there is also his inexperience and he's not as good at coaching as Nick Nurse's. That's why or, they lost. Yeah, or any of these other coaches yeah. that they play. That, uh, that's yeah. just like a fundamental problem to me. Sure. I understand. The but the question of, is, is does time make him better at that? Or do, <laughs> sure. Maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, not. I don't know. Yeah. That, and I think, I think they don't care about the time right now. And so that's why I think they'll say, show us you can improve a bunch as a coach next year. And if you haven't, then you're out. I think that's just what it is. Straight up. Like, 
be be good next year. We're going to put together a roster that's decent. Make the you know make the playoffs. Impress us with your coaching or out. Like it's not he's not going to get he's the the days of like gold stars for having everyone like each other like end after this year. Yeah, I can see how somebody could rationally come to that conclusion. I just can't. That's fair. Yeah, you know that's that's fair. Yeah, and and you know like. I mean, honestly, probably some of it is like I'm I'm close to him, like in the sense that of working together, mm-hmm. like every day. For me personally, it would probably be better that Ryan Saunders stays. Oh, as sure, the, yeah. as the coach than others. And but at the same time, I'm going to be objective and mm-hmm. like, if if we're talking like the rest, of, see how these next thirty games go. Like if if I'm under, if I'm see this new group and I'm underwhelmed by it, I will write a. Yeah, call him. Or we will have another conversation like this, no and I'll doubt. be like, "All right, like maybe he should be out." Yeah, but I just don't think, in the eyes of the front office, they'd like. All they care about is a coach that's, that forces the team to play the way that they want to play. Yeah, it just seems like if you're willing to admit that he's not a very good coach, but that if, you, but knowing that you are willing to give him more time, that just shows favoritism. Oh, hundred percent. Like why? Yeah, there yeah. are better coaches. I yeah, I they I agree, and I think, and that's what, what Rosas' given, favoritism. That's just weird to me. Why would Rosas have this bias towards Ryan? Like, why wouldn't I wanted Rosas to go get his guy last summer? Because you go get your general manager, let them go get their guy. Let well, them, there's a couple advantages. Now you have Ryan as a scapegoat. Sure. Okay. And, yeah, and you also point. and you also know that you have uh, you in Ryan. You knew you had someone who you could control. Yep. True. Good point. Yeah. That would or or control or you know said more nicely that they both agree that this is the right style yeah. to play. Yep. He knew that he could get Ryan to play the style play, and that was objective number one for Gerson Rosas this year was get this team to play this way because it's how we're going to play going forward. Yeah. We're not going to dilly dally with other stuff. Well, none of this. The bummer is none of this even brings up the fact that Cat has probably regressed this year, or at least stagnated. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, and I think I think that's that's on Ryan. I think that's also on David Vanderpool mm-hmm. because the regression has come on the defensive end. Yep. Uh, but you know, I just there will come a time where where Ryan will come in the crosshairs, mm-hmm. and I think ultimately he will be out. I, that would be my guess. Yeah. I just don't think Gerson and them are putting up the crosshairs right now. Yeah. That's just my that's just my read on it. Like they said, put it in, put it in. Once once we're ready to compete, once we're ready to compete for the playoffs and to be a contender in the playoffs, we're going to we're going to have a good coach. And you can show us you're that coach. These are tryouts. He's a tryout just like freaking Alan Crabb is. Do you fit in the system? Do you fit in the system? Can you can be can you be helpful? Can you help us win? Just seems more logical with a player than a coach. A hundred percent. I'm just saying that's what's happened. Yeah. How much of this stuff seems does not seem the normal <laughs> line of logic? True. That's they true. started freaking James Johnson at center last night. Like, <laughs> this is weird Daryl Morey stuff. Like, let's put get it out there. Like, this is Houston North. Yeah. This is Houston North. Like, it no, is. Oh yeah, for sure. Period. Yeah. Like, I, show me something else that yeah. indicates indicates they're not. Like, we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll see with Ryan. I just don't think. And we'll have, I don't think it's coming I mean, right and, now. There are 30 games left in the season. Yeah. So let's see if we can, you know, no, it's, turn it's, it it's totally fair for, for you to bring that up. And, and I do think it hasn't, I mean, he hasn't, uh, 
he hasn't been diced up much by anyone. And I think that's what has to do with a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. My dicing has been of the system. Mm-hmm. I've shit on the system the whole year mm-hmm. because it, it costs them wins. Mm-hmm. But they don't care about that. That's their comeback to it. So whatever. <laughs> yeah. Those are two different arguments. Yeah, totally. Um, I think Ryan's in ways connected to the system, but I know for a fact in ways he's not. Mm-hmm. So it's weird. Honestly, man, it's weird to cover. It's a weird, it's a weird thing to, to think about. We'll take the next 30 games to see what it what yeah. happens. Yeah, exactly. And the conversation will continue. I'm not going to do a podcast on Monday because it's the All-Star break. Charlie and I will be back next Thursday, um, which will be the day before the break ends. Yeah. Because they'll be back uh, Boston on Friday. I'm going to the next game then is in Denver. Kata Bates Diop revenge game. I'm going to yeah. that. I'll be in Denver. Um, yeah. So we'll see. We, uh, there's so much more meat on the bone for the post All-Star than I think we had uh, for a couple months there. So yeah, I think we're excited. Yeah, I'm pumped. That's Charlie at C. John's NBA. I'm Dane at Dane Moore NBA. Check out what we got up at Zone Coverage. I'll have stuff there over the break. Um, Till next Thursday. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stops, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.